Hello, and welcome to GKAD, the show where a bunch of friends don't get drunk anymore and talk about current Japanese popular albums. Right? That's about what we do, yeah. pretty much. We're boring. No, we're not. We're actually fucking brilliant. But you'll see. You'll find out. You can call me Zero, and that is Jaylee, and we're gonna review stuff. Yeah. I mean, hell yeah. We are reviewing the incomparable Hamasaki Ayumi. Her. I don't know if incomparable is a very good word anymore. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I think this might uh, tie into your review then. This is her 15th studio album. There was one, two, five-ish singles leading up, depending on how you're counting. But, Three. you know, this is an IU album. Let's get right into the meat of it with, of course, IU's biggest fan, Zero. Yay! So, it's kind of upsetting to me that, um, I don't know, I-, I just get the feeling like what I like and what IU fans like is completely different. Uh, could deal the time. <laughs> because, okay, what you have to understand about this album is that, remember, like, on the LS9 review when I was saying, like, hardly anything on the album sounded like an LS9 song? It sounded like they were imitating other yeah. people? Yeah! That's basically the same thing here. Which, I have to say, in this case, the end result was a more entertaining oh, record. Absolutely. I <laughs> I think it is a really fun, solid very, very Western-style pop album. And, um, you know, in interviews leading up to this album, IU said that this album, this next album, was going to be a a pretty big sampling of a bunch of different things that IU does, a mix of old and new IU, Um, which absolutely it is. Um, If you have, you know, a particular IU genre, I guess, that you like, this album's got it. Only once, but it's got it. (laughs) There's, you know, Now and Forever, which sounds like kind of your up-tempo, but kind of bitter through most of the song, and then optimistic at the end, sort of rockish pop IU song. And then you've got Prey, which is the big overblown ballad. And then you've got uh, Hello, New Me, which is this sort of cutesy, adorable springtime sort of love song. And you've got Lelio, which is the, you know, sort of badass, edgy dance song that's a little bit more uh, a little more rebellious sounding there's a little more grindingness to it and then Kiss Kiss which is stylized XOXO on the track list uh, which is her cutesy bubblegum pop dance piece of crap the, the type of song I hate that's my least favorite IU stuff are the, the obvious like if this album were released in the summer it would be the summer pop shiny yeah. bullshit you know basically every summer song that she's released since Bluebird, because Fairyland was amazing, and then the rest of them have just been kind of like, oh, woman, put down the phone and stop calling these in. God. So with this album, she's she recently moved to Los Angeles, so she wanted to team up with a bunch of producers that she would really only be able to work with if she was in L.A. So we've got Red One on there, who did Kiss Kiss. Um, 
It's not the red one, the dude himself. It was one of his, like, subordinate people who were <laughs> copying off him for a living. That's how most of these production houses work. I don't know if most people realize that, but, like, Dr. Luke has a team. Yeah. Red one has a team, you know? Writers. So it was a member... Yeah, it was the, the, the interns who were going to grow up and be their own producer one wow. day. And I wish them luck, you know. But yeah, it was done by a member of Red One's team. So we got that, and it sounds just like something off Lady Gaga's first album. No screwing around. I mean, that is the same beat that Red One used for like half that album. It's really actually pretty solid. Not my type of thing. <laughs> I was much more of a monster fan than a fame fan. I don't know if longtime yeah. listeners remember me quoting Bad Romance like all the fucking time. There's also Armin Van Buren, who IU has collaborated with a couple times. They're buds. Is that Terminal? Um, yes, that's Terminal. Oh, that totally sounds like an Armin Van Buren song. <laughs> Doesn't it, though? Pretty much everybody was actually pretty easy to identify. Which song is Daishi Dance? Is it Angel? No, what is Forever? Oh. Um, Angel oh. is uh, Angel's the Rodney Jerkins one. That's why it sounds like you know Halo and um, As Long As You Love Me by Justin <laughs> Bieber. You know, that sort of big sweeping battle. Oh my God! Yes, I really Daishi Dance. Sorry. I'm still having trouble <laughs> picking the songs apart, so. Okay, that's well. You you only just listened to it yeah. today. I've been listening to it for the last two weeks. So the the producers on it are easy to identify. These are definitely songs by these producers. The problem is, as I mentioned at the top of my review, there's not really a whole lot of IU on this album. You know, it, even even down to the lyrics. If you actually look at the lyrics, it's like, no, no, where where did you go? You know. There's, so there's sort of this disconnect. As enjoyable as the album is, if you, you know, if, if one of the reasons that you like IU is because, you know, you feel like her songs apply to you, you feel like she gets you, you know, which is sort of how I am. I'm one of those sorts of fans. She feels distant on this album. And it's really kind of hard to put it into words. But like, I mean, take the lyrics to a song like Hello New Me, which is like, Hello New Me. The two of us are total opposites. I think that's why... Uh, I like the feeling that we balance each other out. We love it, and gradually we've learned that. That's the second verse to that song. Meanwhile, if you look back in her lyrics, Jewel, the second verse, the second chorus of Jewel is like, I didn't feel any pain, but tears began to fall because my feelings for you sank painfully down into my heart, found the wounds there, and turned them into tenderness. God, that's beautiful. <laughs> Ayu, why don't you write like that anymore? What the fuck? I don't believe that you're in love from these lyrics. <laughs> and then now, feel the love, we can dance all night. Oh yeah, that's poetry right there. It's, Ayu, please stop singing in English. If you want to connect with your English-speaking audience, write your songs in Japanese, sing them in Japanese, let us feel the emotions in your voice, and then include a fucking translation booklet. Jesus Christ, woman. <laughs> I, I, I want to know, like, there's there's lyrics. She didn't gain an international fan base from singing in English. She did not. And I don't think she realizes that, actually. That's the thing. is like When she went to Singapore and Hong Kong right before Rainbow, and she saw that she had fans overseas, it kind of, like, startled her, I guess, into, like, wanting to do things for those fans. And I'm like, stop. They fell in love with you for the stuff that you were doing. For you and for your Japanese audience, why are you trying to impress us? You're pushing us away. She's trying to be everything to everybody with an album like this. You know, yes, she is doing every single kind of, of style of song that she's done on this album, but she's doing it with international producers in an international direction. And it's she's trying to be everything to everybody on this album. And it's not really working because the reason why we liked her in the first place which is, you know, that, that connection that, that we want to have with her is is absent, you know? 
This is just a good pop record. If I had never listened to IU before, I would love this album. But like as a fan, I feel like I'm kind of, I feel like this sort of album is pushing old time fans like me away and trying to coax in new people. And it's not but doing that. It's not doing that at all. It, you know, Avex kind of needs to put a little bit of money into promotion for that to happen. And admittedly, they did promote this album more than they have recent albums, but um, it, a lot of it shows just an astounding lack of, I guess, any kind of market research on their part. Or, or maybe this is just an exercise in market research. I don't know. Whatever you did, it didn't work, because this is IU's first number five album ever. And it's just like, oh my god, this is so upsetting. At least first day, it's number five. Yeah. It's not It's not going to do better than that no, for the week. No, no. Mm-mm. Uh, but because, like, you know, you need to have her on TV. She has some, like, image reparation to do right now, you know? Some image reparation it's... to do for a while, actually. <laughs> Well, no, she, it wasn't broken before. It was just kind of dirty. It needed some polishing. Now it's like, everybody thinks of her as this, like, you know, screwed up guy gene chaser, which is like, God, if you read a single interview with Ayumi Hamasaki over the years, you would know she was not going to marry a Japanese man. <laughs> just not. She doesn't have the attitude to be in that kind of marriage. She had to go with, a, with an American guy. She just had to. Yeah, no, there. I think there were a lot of opportunities with an album that sounded like this for her to actually uh, regain her audience and have, a, you know, a sort of Namie-style comeback, mm. you know, which she really, really needs. This is the stage of her career where she really needs to do that, you know? Her age is no excuse. And how long she's been around has re- is really no excuse. And Namie is proving well, that. And it's one of those know? things where it's like... Feel and Colors on paper are extremely similar albums, but mm-hmm. one of them did mm-hmm. so well and kind of revitalized. And it was, in my opinion, for what it was, I think it was better executed. Oh, totally. For one thing, the videos, for the most part, are a shit ton better. <laughs> Except for the but, the one where it's Bar just, Alive. Yeah. yeah. Bar Alive. Um, I mean, there. IU. One of the reasons that IU used to be so uh, awesome back in the day were how her visuals and music went together. You know, her her visuals always had an obvious point, but it was still kind of unusual. You know, the the duty album cover has her dressed as you know a quote unquote sex kitten busting out of her cage, and that was awesome. That was a really really cool statement to be making on an album cover. You know, uh, she had that whole goddess of peace image in the I am album booklet Mm -hmm. as a result of 9-11 and that was it went kind of through a whole day from sunrise to sunset through the photos and it was really really beautifully done and she looked great let's face it Mm -hmm. she looked hot so now for this album she has purple it's a shot of her face with text slapped on it it's one of those things where it's like after such monochromatic album covers if you're going to name your album colors you need to do more than put colorful text over yeah. Similar. There, I feel like, you know, there should have been something in the booklet with, you know, each color representing something. But I guess she kind of did that with the memorial address booklet. Hmm. Um, but there's one shot on the inside of the booklet where she's wearing this red dress that's sort of got like hanging fringy sort of thing going on to it. It kind of looks like feathers or wings and it's red and shiny. And she's standing there with this very confident posture, not imposing. <laughs> But sort of like a, a woman standing up and fighting back, sort of pu- sort of posture, and she's got a brick wall behind her, and it's just like, how is this not the look for the album? There is symbolism there, and I don't even need to do anything to make it happen. <laughs> that is that is a, a fucking pop goddess phoenix 
rising from the ashes to reclaim her career. That is what should be on all the posters. That is what should have been on the cover. That's what the whole booklet should have really been, you know? But she she didn't go with that. And I I this album, more than any other before it, is making me think, oh my god, she really doesn't have anybody giving her any input, you know? Really what I got, actually, is... That she just doesn't really care anymore. And not in like a she doesn't give a shit, but that like her heart really isn't in the the making new music thing as much. I I gotta say, a lot of this screams um not necessarily that she doesn't care, is that she doesn't know what aspects to care about. She does care. She absolutely cares, but I think she cares more about um you know, getting her feelings out on a song not necessarily getting them exactly perfect. She cares about releasing something to maintain the connection with her fans, but she doesn't really care about um, she doesn't she doesn't care about expressing herself naturally. She's she's going through the motions as defined in her role as pop singer. She's going through the the sort of mechanics of, "Hey, this sound is cool right now and I like how it sounds. Let's get that producer." Mm-hmm. You know? She's not saying, all right, this is this song. This is the mood that it's got. What producer would be best for this? You know, Mm -hmm. which is the approach that she took back in the day. And that's one of the reasons why she had to write the music to M for herself. She had to write that. She had to write that melody herself because she couldn't find a melody that worked for the feeling that she was trying to express in it. Mm -hmm. And that perfectionism is gone. You know, she's definitely still hands on. She and her team basically directed the videos for the album herself. But that's the thing. She didn't care to go and find a good director who would know how to translate her thoughts and feelings into the visual medium Mm -hmm. properly. Instead, she just did it herself. And she's not a filmmaker. Her team are not filmmakers. You know, they're dancers and they're choreographers and they're very charismatic and beautiful people, but they're not filmmakers. Mm -hmm. And you can tell, (laughs) you know, um, it's the problem doesn't come from her you know not having her heart into it it's that she doesn't realize what aspects she needs to hand off to other people and what she needs to take over herself and i think she's got them back no i I completely agree right there that's i I think that's the problem is that she doesn't know um she doesn't she doesn't seem to know who among her crew is best at their jobs and who really aren't to be trusted with certain things you know well when you're kind of and we'll get back to the music in a minute this is all very interesting, but I do want to like go step by step to the songs. But um, I think it is because you know she was you know Ayumi effing Hamasaki, Hamasaki, and mm-hmm. you know once you get to that level of stardom, pretty much the people who you work with are the only people who really get to know you. And once those lines start to blur, it's you can't really see who's going to be best at doing what. Because you have that like inherent friend, friendship yes. trust, yes. but you don't have that professional trust. Professional trust, exactly. And she's always had a really bad habit of um, promoting her friends. Like Miwako Hamada is not a good backup vocalist for Ayu. Peko was not a good backup vocalist for Ayu. Her voice was completely wrong for it. She's one of those people who needed a little bit of auto tuning in a studio. So live, she just didn't cut it. Princess Yoko Yamazaki was much better. But uh, Peko was just not... She could have probably been a backup singer for somebody else. She probably... I've, I've heard she does solo shows, and I bet they're actually fine. But when you're a backup singer, you need to be like on pitch with the lead vocalist. And you need to have a voice that blends well with theirs. Peko was not a good fit for that. But 
uh, you had made friends with Peko because she did the choreography for her first couple of tours. Hmm. Peko was a choreographer and a pretty good one too. I mean, she she did choreography for the uh, Ponyo theme song at Kohaku oh. the year the kids performed that. She did that choreography. She's very, very good at this sort of rhythmic, simple, uh, friendly sort of choreography. She she was great at that. They, why IU decided to make her a backup singer has always kind of eluded me because she's just not good for that particular job, mm-hmm. you know? Likewise, I, I, I just, I think that, you know, IU, I'm, I'm happy that she has friends who are good at music, but I feel like she needs to go to them for objective, hey, this sucks, you should probably try something else sort of advice. I do think the other problem is that she's surrounded by a bunch of yes-men because she's the boss and it's Japan, Yeah, you know? I think she has a lot of people behind the scenes who just, they'll just do whatever she asks, mm-hmm. you know? And I, I think that's a problem. She doesn't have a quality control person who can just say, hey, look, Ayu, I know you love this dress, but you look terrible in it, you know? <laughs> I, I, it's like... As somebody else who could say, yeah, if you're doing a parody here, it's not obvious enough. Or if you're trying to go for sadness here, you're not looking sad enough. Because she's got a lot of things that apparently she's trying to convey sadness and she's just not looking sad at all. In this album? And so, no, not this oh, album okay. particularly, but like the Bold and Delicious video oh. is supposed to be sad. What? Yeah, what? exactly. <laughs> because to her, and I get this, to her, the saddest thing in the world is when somebody is faking a smile. Mm-hmm. Is when somebody is smiling even though they're sad or they're stressed out. The thing is, she shows absolutely no indication that there's any stress behind that smile, you know? Aside from the fact that she's working. But, I mean, she looks like she's having fun working. So, you know, we're, how are we supposed to figure that out? She needs somebody to say, a filmmaker, you know, to say, if you want to do this, you need to use these Tools. filmmaking and yeah. acting and design tactics to do it, you know? So, anyway... We can go to the album now. So the album. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. No, it's okay. I hate Feel the Love. I hate the video. Um, and the new video is much cuter. I'm sure it is. And I, th- I do think that it's interesting. And I think it says a lot that she did make a new video. And it's obvious that it was because of how poorly the original was received. It really was. It was... That, that's a good example of nobody on the set of the video said, hey, if you wanted to convey this image, you're doing it wrong. Here's what you need to do instead. There wasn't anybody there saying that. And it was one of those things where you know that she knows how poorly it was received because she tried to address it on Twitter. And mm-hmm. that still didn't go, go over well. And I feel like that kind of informs a lot of this current era of IU. Yeah. Um, which, you know, it's great that fans can kind of call her out on things, but... I don't yeah. think that it's at the point where there's kind of a healthy back and forth. She's too insecure, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I've noticed like that over the years. That's one of the hallmarks She's... of her music. That's why one of the people love her you know, lyrics so much, is because there's that insecurity, yet there's that sincerity, and a lot of people can really identify with that. But Yeah, um, oh yeah. No, and I think that's... But I think uh, a lot of her fan base who did once connect to that, mm-hmm. the fact that Party Queen did so poorly pretty much leads me to believe most of those fans are gone now which is really kind of upsetting not kind of upsetting it's extraordinarily upsetting because it does mean that now IU has been given a signal that what she was originally loved for is not what people love anymore and that's really really ow yeah. you know I don't like that at all I think Party Queen was, was brilliantly done I think though the booklet photos needed to you know add a, a shade of sadness that was another one of those things where it's like everybody's like what the hell is going on with these and then they're like yeah. oh there are these things there, but it's not 
executed in such a way that mm-hmm. yeah no she this um no, with with the feel the love video you know if, if the guy had just looked at the normal girl and not Ayu had if he had just looked at her like wow you're beautiful that would have fixed everything yeah. one tiny thing him looking around and going like what the hell where'd the hot asian chick go that was the only thing wrong with that video and it would have fixed it if they had just reshot that. And it just drives me crazy that that one thing would have fixed it. One thing. Oh. Um, and then after Feel the Love, <laughs> <laughs> we go to Kiss Kiss, um, which, I don't know. It's okay. I don't like the girls just want to have fun, but it's, I don't know. Just stay away from kind of homages to classic songs like that, I think. You know? It's well. It's uh, so many songs have now said it. It's a cliche now. Yeah. It's not even an homage anymore. It's just a cliche, and it it does feel like a, a woman who doesn't know English that well falling back on something that she knows the English speaking audience will uh, will identify. Yeah. And it's like uh, it's cheap, woman. You're a better lyricist than that. Stop it. No, I completely agree. Um, and then we have "Hello New Me," which I, I I like, even though it's wait no. After that, we have. What is Forever Love, which I love Daishi Dance, I love Uda Tanalia, I think it's a pretty good song, but, you know, overall I just don't feel anything from this album. And that's the hard part, it's like, you know, even in Party Queen, which I didn't like very much, and we've been over this back and forth and up and down, um, but there are still songs on there that, like, get to me, that kind of get under my mm-hmm. skin and that I adore. Oh, Reminds Me is, is probably one of the best IU songs ever. Like, it's easily in the top five as far as, you know, artistic integrity and it being representative of what IU is best at. Mm-hmm. I think Reminds Me is one of the best songs she's ever, ever, ever done. And it's like, yeah, can you just do that all the time? <laughs> but like, here, Merry Go Round, I think, is one of her best songs ever. Yeah. That I will, That is one of the songs on this album that feels like IU. Yeah. But it feels very out of place because of that. Yeah! This feels very much kind of like a de- debut album from somebody completely different. It feels like a mixtape. Kind of. It's <laughs> it's kind of just like experimenting. Let's do a whole bunch of different things and put them all together on one thing. It's not an album. It's a collection of songs. Yeah. Yes, which is very obvious from Prey, which sticks out like a freaking sore thumb. Like, this no does kidding. not fit. Yeah. <laughs> this, this was a Love Again era song that had to be carried over to this. Yeah. Um, but I do love Terminal because it's what IU fans have been waiting for forever, which is, you know, what happens when you get an IU interlude and you expand it out to a full song, and apparently it's badass, so... It is. I do want, like... The thing with Terminal that bugs me is that the pacing is a little bit weird mm-hmm. because it's like Armin tried to fit all the ups and downs and movements of a seven and a half minute trance song into five and a half <laughs> minutes. So I kind of want both a radio edit that's like... 345 and like an expanded seven and a half eight minute version of it but this five and a half minute version is kind of odd i don't know it's <laughs> awesome it's fantastic um the other thing too is that what is with the scratchiness on her vocals at the chorus i don't know i thought that was what like intentionally applied to it the thing is it's it's subtle enough that i can't tell if it's deliberate or not mm-hmm. it feels like they lost the original master vocal track and all they had was this like horribly compressed version of it that you know kind of the highs just kind of got compressed a little bit too much so it sounds scratchy Mm -hmm. you know 
So yeah, I don't know if that maybe that might be deliberate to make it sound like vinyl or something like that, but it doesn't really work because like her vocals everywhere else in the song don't sound scratchy. It sounds like a mistake. So I'm not sure what happened there. That was weird. But overall, it's a cool track, so I forgive it. And then we get to Angel, <laughs> which, God, this is the one song that the most is like, this isn't an Ayu song. This is Ayu trying to be mm-hmm. XYZ, and it doesn't work. It doesn't work pretty much at all. It really doesn't, like, which is upsetting because the, the lyrics on that particular song are some of the best on the whole album, aside from the chorus. And the fact that there's really only five lines mm-hmm. of actual lyrics in it, those five lines are so beautiful. But yeah, it, this is a good example of Ayu not knowing her strengths. Because mm-hmm. she's not a very strong vocalist. She's never been a strong vocalist, but she does, when she uses her voice effectively, she can, you know, she can do a song. But this is a very, you know... Like you said, it's very Beyonce, very Halo, and even the backing vocals, they just make me feel uncomfortable. You know? Mm-hmm. It's just like, yeah. you maybe need to bring somebody else in for those backing vocals, because you can't cut it. And that's one of yeah. those things where it's like, this is your 15th album. You should... You really should know better yeah, by now. You should yeah. not be making those kind of rookie mistakes. Part of the problem is that because there isn't any sort of critical analysis out there of mm. Japanese pop music the way there is for Western, yeah. uh, it, it, where does she get that input? You know, if she's surrounded by a whole bunch of Japanese yes men, she's just going to do whatever she feels like doing, and they're going to say okie dokie. Yeah, and it's not necessarily going to be a good idea though. Mm-hmm. So, you know. Yeah, and then Merry Go Round is great, and then Merry Go Round is great. Leleo is pretty good, and Now and Forever is kind of. Eh. I don't know. I'm just. It reminds you kind of got tired by the end of it. Yeah, it was one of those things <laughs> where I was like, because usually I'll listen to an album a couple times, and then what I'll do is I'll listen to the first half, and then I'll stop, and then I'll like go do something, and then I'll listen to the second half. And well, that's actually a smart idea, so that way you're not tired of it. Yeah, and it's one of those things where it's like, this wasn't one of those albums where I was like, oh, the first half is stronger than the second half, the second half is stronger than the first half or something. It was just like, it's kind of eh all around, and second half has really strong songs but also has the weakest uh, but yeah I, I don't know it reminded me me and stacy we do the push the smart video game show and we were talking about this one game called transistor and it's visually it's gorgeous um but it was one of those things where the ideas and the execution didn't really hit the mark Mm-hmm. And one of those things that Stacy kept saying was, you know, the guts are there, and that's why I don't like it, because it didn't yeah. succeed. And yes. that's this album. The guts are there. Yes. But at the end of the day... There wasn't enough There wasn't enough of a critical eye put on it. Yeah. There isn't that kind of IU backbone to hold it all up. Yeah. she. The fact that she used to be so much more deliberate and careful... Or seem to used to be because she doesn't seem to be anymore. Is is kind of what makes it so frustrating, really. It's like one of those things where in rock and roll circus and you know, to a lesser degree, five. You kind of had some kind of electro songs that were very western influenced, but they were totally one hundred percent IU. Yeah, I don't know. No microphone definitely sounded like an IU song. Yeah. But it was like, this is the IU who listened to Deep Purple as a teenager. This is the IU who likes Smashing Pumpkins, Melancholy, and Infinite Sadness. This album is like 
IU who's aware that pop music is a thing, so maybe she could make money if yeah, she did IU it. Was listening to Top Forty, I guess. Yeah, it's it's like not that there's anything wrong with Top Forty, but there's really not. But I don't feel like IU was inspired by the work of these producers. Mm-hmm. You know, like I feel like IU has been was inspired by hearing Tetsuya Yukumi's uh, song that he wrote, Kumo for the group lover soundtrack, which she repurposed into Memorial Address. I feel like when she heard that melody, she felt something, you know? I feel like this was her saying, well, people are making money with music that sounds like this, so maybe I should do that. I don't feel like it's that, because that sounds almost a little crass, but I do think it's more like, how do you make people happy? Dance music, you know? It's, yeah. it's, it's a very shallow kind of trying to make people happy instead of you know, you make people happy by striking a chord within them and letting them know that they're not alone and they're not the only person who's felt this way. Yeah. Like, even yeah. the most depressing, beautiful ballads, they'll make you sad, but they'll also touch upon something in you that is going to fulfill you. Yes, exactly. It's the reason why I latched on to IU like I did back when, you know, Vogue Faraway Seasons came out was because I was reading the lyrics on A Song 4 and Love Appears and I just went, oh my god, every single one of these songs is about me. Yeah. You know? I, I was reading those lyrics and I, and then I would hear in her voice uh, on A Song 4, obviously, uh, the vocals are pretty flat, but be- because of that, though, there was a lot of feeling behind them. So, like, you, you kind of hear anguish in Powder Snow. As, as irritating as the high notes can be in that song, if you're not in the mood to listen to it, you know, that that feeling of, of isolation and hating that isolation, but at the same time really wanting to be left alone, that conflict that we introverts tend to have when we're depressed, um, is, is so brilliantly expressed there. And I just, I, I, I feel like she's, with all these, you know, pop arrangements, she's, she's sort of curling herself up in a nice comfy blanket and not showing herself. Yeah. to anybody. She's hiding behind the pop arrangements. And on that happy note, I think that yeah. does it for our review. I think so. I think I just reviewed IU. If you want to go on very long tangential Twitter rants with us. You can follow us on Twitter. It's very simple. She is GK0ZER0 and I am GKJLee, J-A-Y-L-E-E. You can also talk about sporty, manly things with GKLoki, L-O-K-I. And GK Aaron doesn't really ever update, but you can follow her anyways. G-K-E-R-1-N. And the show itself she does sometimes. is J-POPJ-ROCK underscore. And you can go to our website, jpopjrock.com, where we've got past episodes and past past episodes and... And days of future past episodes and... So that does it for another episode of GKAD. Until next time, I am Jay Lee. And you can call me the biggest fucking IU stan in the world. <laughs> Johnny! Johnny.
it don't matter now. Now it don't matter now. Mo each do at the most of a deck I'm gonna hide nash now. Don't need that I need to get now because we have feelings now. For the day you got the on, for the day you got the on. Now deck of the bahaki that's the time machine look at that good on. You know what kind of time. Can't keep up with the memory go round.